We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's up, guys? This is the Uncontested Podcast, covering the Oklahoma City Thunder. This podcast is ran by Jacob, Nick, Justin, Taylor, and Kamiar. Listen to future episodes on your favorite podcast streaming service like iTunes or Spotify. And don't forget to leave a five-star rating. This is Lou Dort. You're listening to the Uncontested. What is up? Welcome to the Uncontested Podcast. Full squad tonight, guys. All five of us are here. Squad. We can make it better. Is Lutan. it ironic? Is it ironic that Kamiar is the last name said in our intro? Yeah, well, due to current events, I'm not Save surprised. the best for last. <laughs> that was good. Oh that was really good. Ugh. Well, guys, we have a lot to talk about today. Um, Thunder stuff, league-wide stuff, uh, kind of all over the place. So let's just jump into it. The Thunder have won five straight games. They've won nine of their last ten. Fourteen and four since Thanksgiving. Never losing again. Let's this team's go. pretty damn good. They're above average. <laughs> They're definitely above yeah. average. They're playing They're some beating solid teams basketball. that they should. Yep. Yeah, and I it think feels like they're point. they're beating some teams that they're they maybe shouldn't be. Yep. Yeah. Like, Agree. Like who? Uh, we'll find uh, out about that this week. Like who? Like the Dallas game. Okay, they didn't have Porzingis. That's true. It's a good point. Nice I think we'll find out a lot about this Kawhi, team over the still. next four. I yeah, think who do they have? The next rough. four are Philly, Brooklyn. The Lakers and the and Rockets. The Rockets. They'll yeah. go one and three. Well, I think, I think Kamiar brought up a good point too in his post game last night. I was listening to it today, um, and and you mentioned the extended schedule of January, Kamiar, and it's it's pretty rough. I I, I don't think you can uh, downplay the wins, you know, as of late, because you've we've the, the Thunder have gone through stretches without 
Schroeder, Gallinari, or both, which says a lot on a team that relies heavily on those guys to get up shots and score the ball. It's It's been really impressive to see this team kind of put things together and have other guys score the ball and still pull off wins. Yeah, and, and they're about to be been a really nice surprise. Yeah, and they're about to be without Nerlens for if I were to guess uh, at least the rest of this road trip, these next two games, uh, with a with a pretty bad sprained ankle in Cleveland last night. So he's he's been a a pretty good guy off the bench for them that they're now about to lose as well. So um, you're gonna see Muskie guarding Joel Embiid tomorrow. God. So hope you're ready. What for could that go one. wrong? Yeah, bring up Justin Patton. Why not, you know? Oh, he was yeah. recalled. That's probably a worse plan. <laughs> oh, he Just, was recalled? I didn't Justin see that. Justin Pat oh. was recalled uh, back to the Thunder this Gross. evening, matter of fact. Gross. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, I hope he does That's well. fascinating. Just, <laughs> yeah. So, guys, one topic that I, I really wanted us to talk about here early on, uh, Billy Donovan won Coach of the Month for December, and I, I think – a lot of the Billy slander has has really slowed down, and it's now become praise. So my question for you guys, if the Thunder somehow managed to finish higher than they are now, right now they're at the seventh seed, if they finish sixth or higher in the West this year, does Billy Donovan deserve legitimate consideration for Coach of the Year? Depends on what the Heat does. That's fair. He didn't, like he didn't ask if he was going to win. He didn't yeah. ask if he was yeah. going to win. <laughs> like coach not, of the year. yeah, not necessarily. Will he win? But should he be like top three? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. There's no question. He he shouldn't be considered. Just you know, being one of the most surprising teams in the league. And and my biggest thing is the narrative coming into this season was Oklahoma City has three starting caliber point guards. How is that going to work? There's a logjam at point guard. Oh, my gosh, what are they going to do? They're going to play them all what? three at the same damn time. That's what they're yeah, going to do. And, and, and at media day, that they, that's the first question they asked Billy is, hey. And everybody you know, laughed, yeah. Yeah, it's what are you going to do with three point guards? And he said, I'm going to play them all three at, at, at the same time at some points, and we think we can make it work. And guess what? It's one of the top three most efficient three-man lineups in the entire NBA. So I got something on that note that I wanted to bring up to you guys, and I actually have it written in my note specifically for somebody to bring up that point because I thought Kevin O'Connor did a, uh, made a really good point on Twitter here. I, this is probably a couple weeks ago at this point, two weeks ago. But um, he mentioned how, you know, he, he did mention, not explicitly, but how Russ is gone now and, and Billy's been able to run the offense that he wants to. But he said not just since he's been in the NBA, but going back to when he was super successful at Florida in, uh, in college – he played multiple uh, multiple lineups with multiple ball handlers. That's something he's been known for that he's constantly or that he's consistently had success with. So it's really cool that to to see that translate into the NBA. I think this is something he really likes uh, as a coach. And I'm really curious to see after the season, right? Once we get through this transition phase that we talk so much about, we have SGA. We talk about maybe how he might not be able to be the guy. Like I think Shea could be. It's going to continue to be really good with another dominant ball handler with him or playing alongside of him, and uh, you know he can kind of play off the ball a little bit. I'm really curious to see how the who the Thunder target in either trades or draft coming up because I think it could be another ball handler. And, but I thought Kevin O'Connor brought up a really good point. Um, off your point, Nick. I think that's interesting. The the ball handler point and kind of where we go from here. I think the biggest thing that I've picked up on this year is just the fact that everybody's bought in 
And you can read into that what you will, uh, like Kevin O'Connor did, talking about Russell Westbrook or whatever. But I think seeing guys, both young and old, guys like CP3 and Danilo Gallinari, as well as guys like SGA and Baisley and some of those guys kind of buying in to what Billy Donovan's selling, I think has been a huge, huge, uh, pleasant surprise for the Thunder this season. I think you're finally seeing what Billy Donovan has kind of wanted to institute. And so it's kind of put a question in my head of, you know, we talked about the the fire Billy crowd is obviously a lot quieter than they were in the past. Uh, do you think that Billy can still, is Billy still a good coach, even if he wasn't maybe the right coach for a Russ and PG led team? That's just kind of something that I've been mulling over my head is like, I've always thought he was a good coach, but maybe he wasn't the right coach for those guys versus the team we have now, I think might be a better fit for his coaching style. I, I definitely agree with that. And that there's also kind of a motive slash narrative that it's kind of the same for Presti. Presti's great at, you know, building these teams, drafting guys, acquiring assets, you know, putting together teams that are championship worthy, but he was always criticized for not, you know, having the aggressiveness to make those, true championship type moves like making a big trade at the deadline as a buyer you know he always kind of just you know rode the wave and 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 didn't make those big splashes like other teams did and I think the the same goes for Billy Donovan he's he's built for a team like this you know that with a young team with with a lot of guys to develop but he's just not the, not the right guy for a, a true championship team makes me wish that Billy Donovan was an OKC before Scott Brooks because those Kevin Durant early years would have turned out a lot different with ball movement. But at the same time, you had a bunch of low IQ players on that team. Like you look at the 2012 team, who are the highest IQ players on that team? What, like Kevin Durant and Tabo? Kendrick Perkins. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like Serge is not there. Russ is not there. Harden wasn't Derek there Fisher. It's, it's, oh, yeah. Derek Fisher was on that team. So on 2012? Wasn't he? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, because uh Reggie didn't get to play that year because uh Fisher did. Oh Jesus. Sounds... Yeah, do you not remember Derek Fisher guarding Tim Duncan <laughs> in the post on the switch? No. Over and over and over while I beat my head against the wall senseless? I don't even remember Derek Fisher was not there in two thousand twelve against the Heat. Sure was he, he was. Yeah. Apparently I was high during that time because I don't remember him there at all. But I don't know. It's just, it makes me wish Billy Donovan was there uh, to instill that amount of ball movement, but I don't know if the players have the amount of IQ to have that sort of ball movement. Like right now, Steven Adams is really the perfect center to run Billy Donovan's offense because he's a high IQ guy, he throws an accurate pass, um, he knows when to pass, and he actually has some sort of capability in the post that he's kind of showing off And instead, instead of Scott Brooks. So I think Billy Donovan has tweaked the way he coaches from his first year to like maybe what what this is his fourth third year in the fourth yeah fourth number year. four and mm-hmm. then so like I think possibly you know he's he's definitely changed the way he's approached the game and then meanwhile you come like you have a guy like Beeline that came from Michigan who's at the Cavs and that com- organization's Oof. in disarray and they hate they hate the way he coaches because they say it's too college like so it makes me think of Billy Donovan's approach and when if he was possibly coaching at Thunder U when it was way back in the day how that story would have turned out, different, turned out differently. Definitely. And Justin, kind of back to your point of, of was he, a, is he a good coach, just not the right coach for those teams? 
I mean, I think back to his first year, that regular season didn't go well with KD. Right. But whenever they got to the playoffs, I mean, I felt like his coaching won them that San Antonio Spurs series. And his adjustments, I feel like his, absolutely. Yeah, I feel like his coaching got them the 3-1 lead yeah. against Golden State. You know, and and so it's there's give and take there, but I do think Billy maybe his strongest attribute as a coach is developing young guys, and so I I really do think it's a good thing that he is here with Shea and with Baisley and with yeah. Tommy and with Ferg. Right. Um. I I, I think that, that plays a big role, kind of like Comer said. Also, I'll say this too: like you have to take into consideration some of this stuff. It's just out of Billy's control. So Kevin Durant leaving and Russ becoming the face of the franchise and kind of having to give Russ more leeway that we've talked a lot about. Like, there's stuff like that you just cannot predict, and there's not very many coaches outside of Greg Popovich, maybe Steve Kerr, maybe, who could kind of take the reins on that and, and be able to handle that appropriately. Like, I, I, I don't know. There's a lot of things I think that are out of Billy's control early. And um, I think we're kind of seeing now where it's a little more stable and um, and you don't have all that outside stuff that he's just been able to coach. And we have, and you're right, Jacob, his, his player development is probably my favorite thing about him. But I've seen a lot of things uh, this year from a stylistic standpoint that I've been really impressed with and strategy standpoint. Like, for example, Kevin Love brought up a great point last night that, um, yeah, talking about all the off ball movement this year with the Thunder and the multiple pick and rolls. Like, that's 100% Billy. Yeah, and, and, yes, and Caleb um, talked about how Thank multiple you guys. guys are screening, right? It's not just <laughs> right. the big man that's screening. Yep. It's multiple. It's off-ball screening. Exactly. And so, I can count on one hand the number of times Russell Westbrook has a screened off-ball in his entire career. <laughs> yes. And, and you know, I, I think there's something to – so I'm going to equate it to teaching because that's what I do for a profession. So I know Kamiar will be able to relate with me on this. It's like if if you're teaching high school and you come in – halfway through the second semester, you haven't had a job and you come in halfway through the second semester, who really runs that classroom? You or the kids that have been there all year who are already used to stuff, right? Penitentiary. Whereas if you start coach or if you start teaching from day one, you institute what you want and you get those kids to buy in. Billy Donovan came in mid Kevin Durant career, mid Russell Westbrook career, um, mid Serge Ibaka career. Whereas now, He's coming at the beginning of Shea, of Baisley, of Ferg, of of Diallo, uh, and he's got Chris Paul who got traded here and had to adjust to Billy, right? So I think there's also something to say about that. This is now Billy's team, where in the past it was Durant's or Westbrook's team. It is now, I think, Billy's team, and it's being ran the way he wants it to run. Yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> I, I agree take. completely. It's a fair take. Coach of the year. I think it's a good, well, not, not a good chance, but I would put him top three. I would put him top three. Also, we're probably going to lose listeners now because Taylor is slandering Russell Westbrook over I here. I know. Just Russell hey. Westbrook hater. Known Russell Westbrook hater, Taylor. Yeah, the guy <laughs> with a dog named Brody. Exactly. All right, guys. Well, after the New Year's Eve game, it feels like New Year's Eve was like two weeks ago. It was five days ago. After the New Year's Eve night win against the Dallas Mavericks, Kevin O'Connor of the Ringer, Taylor's already mentioned him, came out with a tweet where he said that some people think that OKC could be, quote, a sneaky buyer at the deadline. How do you guys feel about that? After we've talked and talked and talked about this team trading off assets and tanking and, and trying to get the highest draft pick possible, 
Now there's talk that the Thunder might be sneaky buyers and try to upgrade the roster for the rest of this season. Uh, how does that make you feel? Weird. Honestly, no, I'm no all tank about it. season. Yeah, no tank season. Gonna buy them playoff <laughs> tickets, boy. Gotta get all that money before you start crapping out. And and see, I just it's such a weak free agency class for starters next next summer, this coming summer. Um, combined with a re- relatively unknown draft class, I don't call it weak. I think that's uh, kind of premature and unfair, but it's certainly a lot of uncertainty at this point with the draft. I think you take all that into consideration. And I think it's okay to have a full season of transition rather than just, you know, a, a half season leading up to the trade deadline. So and I think it's been really beneficial, extremely beneficial for some of these young guys, like we've seen Baisley's development over the past couple of weeks even, much less this entire season so far, as well as Shea. I'm starting to get better and better and improving and getting confidence. I think it's great for these young guys, um, and it's been really fun, you know, just from a selfish fan standpoint. It's been a ton of fun and kind of refreshing watching these guys without the expectations kind of overperform. And so I'm, I'm all for it as long as we aren't giving up like ridiculous future assets, you know, giving away like big first round picks and things of that nature. So you mean they're not you tanking mean- right now? What? This is the best tank <laughs> job ever in history. <laughs> <laughs> they're tanking and making the playoffs? That's crazy. Hey. Multitasker. I'm here for it. Alright guys, so I asked you guys with this news that the Thunder could be, quote, sneaky buyers, to come up with I a trade. sneaky buy. What does that mean? That's like, called stealing. No, no. That's a five-finger <laughs> discount. Like, you ever, like, went to the grocery store with your mom <laughs> as a kid? <laughs> and you slipped, like, a like a crunch bar or a Kit Kat onto the, onto the conveyor belt and mom didn't see it? <laughs> My mom always saw it. My there mom didn't see it yeah, all the time, but when she did, it was my I remember ass. doing that with a, with a Hot Wheels one time. Dude, Hot Wheels were like 75 cents, and I, I put know. one in the basket. They're the best, too. And she would tell me, go put it back. And, and, and then she would tell me, I'll think about it, and I'll let you know later if I could get the Hot Wheel. And like six-year-old me always thought, oh, God. She's going to forget that I asked her about the Hot Wheel. I got to ask her again. And she would always say, <laughs> if you ask me again, you're not going to get it. You're not going to get it. Yep. But I was like, oh, shit, she's going to forget. And then it was so, her way uh, of getting you to behave in the grocery yeah, store. Yeah, and then so I'd ask her again, can I get the Hot Wheel? Put it in the cart. See what happens when we get home. When I got home, I'd get my ass beat. <laughs> you still get the Hot Wheel though, right? I learned to just put the Hot Wheel up. I wasn't a big fan of Hot Wheels. I was just like, be like, oh, there's gum at the checkout. Yeah, I was, I was a That's Hot fair. Wheels guy, not a Matchbox guy, but a Hot I, Wheels I was guy. too, dude. My my son got a huge Hot Wheels track for Christmas. Oh, oh hell yeah! So was he a sneaky I might buyer? Be having more fun than, than he is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of sneaky buying, I asked you guys to come up with one trade that could help the Thunder now, plus possibly help them in the future without having to give up ample assets, kind of like what Taylor mentioned. So what do you guys got? Wait, hold on. First, we got to do the trade sounder. All right. So what trades do you guys have? I'll go first because mine is the best. I'm setting the bar high for everybody. I'm ready. This trade is between the Oklahoma City Thunder and the Minnesota Timberwolves, who are falling apart. They ain't good. I have the True. Thunder 
sending out Andre Robertson's contract while he still uh, drinks water and hangs out with Rachel Demida in Los Angeles. Hey, hey, I saw him uh, retweeting <laughs> fire in Australia stuff today. Well, he yeah, can use that water he's been selling to go put the fires out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyways, so they can take his contract because it's dead money. Uh, Terrence Ferguson to Minnesota. Dead money don't make none. And their first rounder this year that they got from Denver, because that's going to be a crappy pick. And getting back in return, and this can be something, this can be a player that they can definitely put in the starting lineup. This can be a player that they can also flip for assets later down the line. Uh, Robert Covington, who can start at the three for you, just like Ferg does. And also getting a future second rounder in return as well. Interesting. I like it. I, like that. I think Robert Covington. Uh, there's a lot of talk about him. He he fits in a lot of places. He can play small ball four. He's six seven. He's a he's a known defender. He can hit corner threes. He's not as smart a defender or as good a defender getting over screens as Ferg because Ferg is like built like a freaking like piece of paper. Um, but he's incredibly physical, and he can body up on guys a little bit more. He kind of reminds you of Andre Robertson. Not as talented on defense, but more, much more talented on offense. Also, he has good hair. One of my favorite I things agree with about all that, those too, things. is he's going to be super valuable unless he gets injured, uh, God forbid. But yeah. uh, you can trade him and flip him again this summer when you're ready and to then, actually yeah, completely and, and rebuild. And by the time, because he's, he's on an $11 million a year deal, and then by the time the season's over, he, he only has two years left, and... In this free agent class, like you guys said, coming up, there's not a lot of players that are going to be available, and Nerlens is actually going to get a lot of money uh, this free agency. And then Covington, I mean, people always need wings. And OKC, they're not going to want a guy that's, you know, Covington's like, what, 30? They're not going to want a guy for the rebuild like that because he doesn't fit the time period for that. So um, they would obviously flip him most likely down the line. Like a Gallinari situation. That's an interesting one. So, so I'll throw mine out next. I have, uh, and and this is a little bit. You could argue maybe it doesn't help them as much right now, but I think it helps them more in the future. Uh, I have Terrence Ferguson, Abdul Nader, and the twenty twenty first from Denver, which is probably going to end up being pick twenty four, twenty five. So basically the same package going out that Kamiar had, except instead of Robertson, it's Nader. Yeah, so somebody that's all offense and somebody that's all defense. Yes. Yeah. Uh, for Kevin Knox. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I like Kevin Knox because I don't think you would I don't think you would flip for assets later down. I think you would Yeah, I I, th- I think you keep him for the rebuild. That, he exactly. and he Kentucky. played with Hami and Shea. Yep. Yeah. Kentucky connection. That's would you right. possibly throw in Kentucky something North, else in there Kentucky to get Alonzo West. Trier? Oh, um, I, so. uh, I don't know. I mean, he I don't know if, they'd, against, if so. they'd give up both of those guys, both of those younger guys. I bet they would give up one of their nine power forwards. Yeah, yeah. I think they're going to be big-time sellers at the deadline. I would take Julius Randle in a heartbeat. He's the oh, better gosh. version yeah. of the fat Zion. guy in New Orleans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gal- uh, hates Zion so much. He, he loves he, Julius he Randle. Does. Julius Randle's fantastic. He would be so much better for the Warriors if when they had Draymond healthy. <laughs> Um, and Zion is a fat Julius Randle that breaks his knees every time he dunks. That's why he's not playing right now. They're like, oh, it has, has nothing to, to do with his how weight. To walk. My ass has nothing to do with his weight. That guy's like 300 pounds, and he jumps off the floor and comes down on the hardwood? Are you kidding me? You see these guys <laughs> walk when they're 35? Like, they're walking like your 50-year-old grandpa? 
That guy has so much weight on his knees, and he gets so much lift off the ground. He's pretty explosive for a big guy. You can't tell me it's not his weight. You know, every time I hear Julius Randle's name, I always think of, do you guys remember the the store Orange Julius? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's always next to the pretzels. Yep. Yep. Yes. Okay, uh, Justin, your trade. What is it? Okay. Um, I have a guy that I want and less so a great great package to get there. Um, I I also like like packages as well. Okay. And ship it ship station. Ship station. <laughs> uh, I would love to see the Thunder talk to Denver about Malik Beasley. Oh yeah, I like. That. I think he. Hey, I, I had a in... second trade with him on there as well. Well, you um, gonna pay him though? S- same wavelength here, buddy. I mean, maybe d- potentially, but you could also just ride him out for the rest of the season. Um, there's a, a handful of different pieces you could throw at Denver. I don't know that any of them are super attractive, like Terrence Ferguson, Mike Mascala. If you get Nerlens to waive his no trade clause, you could swap. Uh, you could give him an expiring. You probably have to sweeten that a little bit in order to make it work. But I am really intrigued by Malik Beasley. What about Ner- What about Nerlens and Schroeder for exactly Mason Plumley and Beasley? Oh, Denver needs no. Schroeder. I was gonna say it doesn't sure. help the Thunder short yeah. term, but I think it maybe helps them more long term. You get off yeah. Plumlee's money this summer, and then Malik Beasley. The only thing with him is he's restricted free agent this summer. How old so is he? How old is he? Twenty three. Twenty. Twenty four. Twenty three. Yeah. Would you guys rather have? And this is for short term and long term flipping for assets. Uh, Robert Covington or Jay Crowder. Oh man! I bet Memphis uh, would part with him right now. Yeah, I, I think Memphis is going to trade him. I think Memphis is uh, going to trade him and Iguodala. Iggy, yep. That's an interesting one. I don't know, Taylor. What's your trade? He's been playing really well. Crowder has. So I have one, um, and I gotta admit, I I took inspiration here from John Hamm uh, after listening to the latest Dream Team Pod. I'm going to give him credit for this player, uh, but I came up with my own um, return for the Pistons. And so I have Tony Snell coming to OKC in return for Andre's expiring. Deontay is a throw-in to kind of uh, help match the salaries there. And a second-round pick. I went ahead and picked our 2024 one, but honestly, it can kind of be whenever. Might be a little too much. I don't know. but That's an interesting one. Tony Snell would slide right in at the three. Yep. I like Tony Snell. Jim Traber loves Tony Snell. He thinks that guy could change his program around to national <laughs> national <laughs> I didn't know finals. that. That's funny. Remember that last year he was like going in all, all in on Tony Snell. Oh, I, think I don't remember team. that, yeah. but it he sounds was like, like something Jim Traber would say. Exactly. Tony Snell over Andre Robertson, you damn yard bird. <laughs> that is uh, <laughs> that is pretty accurate. Bunch of, bunch of sissies. <laughs> that was him. Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> uh, all right, before we get in too I'm much trouble, big leagues. Nick, what is your trade? <laughs> so mine is interesting because he's a guy that is not under contract for a whole lot longer, I don't believe, but, and you could probably get more for this player we're sending out if you really wait on it, but we're going to assume that you can't. This is like an hour before the trade deadline. Oklahoma City is going to send out Danilo Gallinari, and in return, they're going to get Dario Saric and salary filler in Tyler Johnson. Dario Sarch is kind of a young Danilo Gallinari, yeah, right? Yeah, kind of, yeah. So it just matches yeah, timelines yeah. a little bit more. 
and the juggalo himself, Tyler Johnson. Yeah, he, he def- didn't get his yeah. tooth pulled in, right? Because he said he liked the way it looked. Yeah, I, and I also think he drinks a lot of Fago. Yeah. He looks like Dwight's cousin Mo from The Office. You know, I wouldn't mind. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> I would not mind Dario Saric. I wouldn't mind that trade, quite honestly. Yeah, I was going to say, like, it, it kind of grew, grew on I me mean, as I was thinking about it. What's the contract for Dario Saric? I think I th- he's expiring he's, this year. Is he? No, he's got a he's got a uh, a qualifying offer of like four mil next year. Okay. So I he's believe. still in his rookie deal. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And he's like twenty four, twenty five. Tyler Johnson's still on that disgusting contract Miami gave them, and what is that one? Yep. He's he's on he's an expiring like oh, seventeen or eighteen million, so he'd be yeah, off the 19, books this summer. That's a fantastic 19.2. trade. I would do that if you're OKC. Yeah. Um, Saric expires this year and he becomes restricted. Yeah, I would do that. I would do that. One hundred percent. It's an interesting one. You just, you just. I don't want to risk. My fear about Saric is he becomes the next Ryan Anderson. Yeah, and Ryan Anderson's not in the league anymore. Is he? Is he with but Houston? He's still getting paid by somebody. I don't know if he's getting. I don't know if he's I think playing. he got waved again by Houston. <laughs> I yeah. think. I think Dario Saric is a lot more talented. He doesn't rely on. I'm going to shoot 30-foot threes to get right. a, a contract in this league. He's definitely a more talented, uh, obviously a lot younger. You know, right. he's 26 minutes a game, 10.5 points, 6.7 rebounds, so he actually gets boards. I don't know. I like him. I think he's a playmaking potential also. He's yeah. killed the Thunder several times. So he, He's an <laughs> interesting one for sure. That's I like that yeah, one, I Nick. Like That's Sarge. a good one. Um, he also, on he also uh, just, just because of – Did Nick just die? Uh, okay, Nick. Yeah. He was. No, I was just saying he fell out of the starting lineup as of like today. Oh really? yeah, I saw they start the insert. They there's they the Phoenix Suns are starting Aaron Baines and DeAndre Ayton together. Oh, that's a big ass lineup. And it Aiden. is a big yep. ass lineup. Oh my god, huge! It's a big ass lineup. Yup. Because they're not good, you get it? So they're ass. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Boom. Any anything else on trades, guys? Uh, no, but we have more later. <laughs> Right? Yes, we do. We do. Well, before we're done with Thunder themes, real quick, we're going to patch in some audio here because Nick and I got the chance to talk to Shane Young of Forbes Sports. It's Nick at night. Nick at night. Nick's at night. We talked to Shane Young, uh, who covers the NBA league-wide for Forbes. He's at Shane Young, or at Young NBA, sorry, on Twitter. Uh, and he is writing an article about Chris Paul and Shea Gilgis-Alexander that will actually be dropping right when this pod drops. So if you guys are listening to this podcast, you can go check out Shane's article at ForbesSports.com. And here is a quick conversation that Nick and I had with Shane uh, about that article. Okay, so now we are joined by Shane Young. He covers the NBA league-wide for Forbes. You guys can find him on Twitter at YoungNBA. And he's working on a Chris Paul, Shea Gilders-Alexander article, which will probably be pretty interesting for our listeners here in Thunderland. Shane, how are you doing, man? I'm doing great. How are you two guys? Living the dream. Good. Yes, sir. Thunder on a five-game win streak, <laughs> so we're feeling pretty good right now. Yeah. So, uh, so Shane, uh, oh, sorry. sorry uh, can, will you just kind of give us a, a, a bit of a rundown? So you're working on a Chris Paul and a Shea Gilgis-Alexander article. Uh, we watch these guys play you know, yeah. two to three to four times a week. Um, kind of what what is the angle you're writing about for these guys, and what are you seeing from them so far this season? Um, 
first of all, thanks for having me on. And and second, uh, you know, I would say that I've probably watched about half of OKC's game so far. Um, obviously, living in that market or, or living nearby the market, as you guys do, um, you either get to go to games or watch them all the time. And, and I'm kind of bouncing around the league, but I, I found myself at around, I guess it was like December 1st or something like that, really a, latching onto this team and, and enjoying them on League Pass. I mean, you know, I, I, I understand that uh, the fan base there will always have an attachment to Russell Westbrook and everything, but like I, I just find this team in particular a lot more enjoyable. Um, for just I don't know what reason I, I really have for that. It's just that I guess it's Shea Gildas Alexander and how he has injected this team with the youth and that obviously the, all the um, craziness and drama that went down in the offseason with Paul George and Russ being traded. But uh, I, I would say my angle for what I'm writing so far is just talking about how Chris Paul has had a bit of a bad rap attached to him in my opinion um I, I'm, I'm sure a lot of I'm sure a lot of OKC fans too after uh you know after he had that one year there was it I think it was one year whenever whenever New Orleans was in uh, that Katrina stuff right yes he that's there. correct yeah so they definitely grew to love him and have an admiration for him in that respect but I, I would venture to guess that whenever he played for the Clippers and the Rockets, there was a little bit of a, you know, I'm not going to say vitriol, but I mean, they definitely didn't like them as much as they did back then. So, so uh, it, it's kind of been a, a different little twist here now that they get to appreciate him again. And what we're seeing out of him is a veteran leader that ha- has a reputation from what you could see on the internet or what you can see from former or from current players, former players, uh, some coaches out there don't even like him. They think that he's just, uh, you know, not fun to play with, um, a little bit arrogant, uh, an a-hole to play with. I, I guess that would be a term that, that others would use. But really, I think what we see is young guards tend to prosper when they're playing next to him or they get a, a few opportunities to learn beside him. And that's something that I think has gone under the radar throughout his 14, 15-year career. Um I think is this year fifteen for him? I think it is. That that sounds right, but it, uh, it, it's somewhere it right be, in that ballpark. Yeah, for so, sure. So looking back, I, w- I grew up watching the NBA. Um, I, I probably started in two thousand eight or so, two thousand eight or nine. Um, really getting into the nitty gritty of it, and I remember that Darren Collison was was under his tutelage in New Orleans for that one year, and then he ha- also had another year with him in L.A you know, before all the Lob City stuff started happening. And Collison grew grew into a decent floor general. I mean, not great, not anything great, but he at least uh, credits CP with a lot of the intelligence factor that he plays point guard with. And then you see Eric Bledsoe, who had three years with him in L.A., and we've seen Bledsoe grow into an all-star caliber player at times, uh, oftentimes not, but I mean... Uh, he ne- nevertheless he is a really awesome regular season player, and now I think we're seeing Shea Gilgeous Alexander having the chance, having the opportunity to uh be, have a little bit of a different role than those guys had, a, a majorly different role. He is now like one of the major high usage guys on the team. This isn't some guard that is just playing under his wing and and backing up CP. This is a guy that is going to be taking all the clutch opportunities he can get. A guy that is just going to be uh, learning how to run pick and roll next to Chris Paul, 
And I, I, with this piece, to answer your question more directly, with this piece, I'm just going to dig into pretty much the X's and O's and nitty-gritty of how they're working as a tandem on the floor together. And with that trio of Dennis Schroeder, too, I mean, you don't see many teams out there running three guard lineups, three traditional point guard lineups, if you want to count Shea as a traditional one, uh, which I think he's more of like a two because he has a lot of a lot of exceptional skills as a scorer. Uh, so just the ten, just the chemistry between those three and how they are helping each other in a in a season that was not supposed to be this uh, well so far. So Shane, the, the the question I really wanted to ask you, obviously you uh, cover the league, you know, more broad spread than than a lot of us do, just watching, you know, one maybe two teams. Um, so I'm assuming you've probably seen a little bit more of Chris Paul than I have um, in Houston and LA both. Is he playing a different style of basketball in Oklahoma City, or is this the same old Chris Paul? We're just finally getting to appreciate him since we're watching him on a nightly basis. <laughs> Man, it's hilarious you asked that because I've, I saw a couple tweets the other day. A couple of local friends, too, said that they think Chris is playing differently than he did in Houston. Um, and that that's also, I think that's true. I, I really do think this is different than what you would have seen, Nick, in Houston the last couple of years. Now, they did have that 65-win season. It was one of the best regular season teams to never win a championship in history, that Rockets team, and that was from a different style than what you're seeing Billy Donovan put him under now in OKC. I mean, in Houston, it was just, let's run literally 18 to 25 isolations, maybe more a game. Um, let, let's just hunt switches on screens. Let, let's get Chris with, ideally, I mean, imagine if it was if it was Houston versus OKC. Let's get Chris switched with Steven Adams to where, you know, he, he's just going to be going Steph Curry 2.0 <laughs> right at the top of the key and trying to get a good look from a mid-range shot or a three. And he really took a lot of threes in Houston, a lot of deep balls too. He was settling, I think, more than he should. And that's one thing, maybe you all agree, maybe you all disagree, that um, I think taking threes just for the sake of taking threes is is not conducive to winning. Um, although the math would tell you that the you know the the advantage lies with them getting that extra point, uh, and and you would definitely want to jack as many as you can during a game if you're that good of a shooter. But I think Chris, his best component has been this style. This is how he played to me, guys, in the last two seasons in in LA. Now those seasons didn't result in great playoff success. I think they got bounced in the first round once and second round another time um and then oh well one of those games one of those series where he broke his hand and that was a little bit out of his, out, of, out of his control but i do think that he is hunting um easier shots within his realm of uh abilities and not saying he can't shoot those long balls but i i think him getting to the rim getting inside getting in that floater range um those 14 foot jumpers that we all know i mean he finished 2019 <laughs> uh with one i i believe it was the clutch game one or not game winner but game clincher and i think this is just what we're seeing from the lob city era and, and it's translated into a more veteran slower style uh that suits his abilities now at age 34 almost 35 so it's kind of funny. You so you've you've talked a lot of here about Chris Paul and and the style of play, and then maybe some people around the league, former teammates that don't enjoy playing with him. Yeah, the difference between him and Houston and the Clippers versus him in Oklahoma City is in those other two spots he had superstars with him: uh, Blake Griffin, 
DeAndre Jordan, J.J. Redick, James Harden. Now in Oklahoma City, he's kind of the 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 old older statesman. He's the veteran on the team with a lot of guys who are five, six, seven years younger than him. You've also said that you think he's playing better now in a style that's more conducive to to his play type. Is Chris Paul the kind of kind of player? Do you get the vibe from him that he's the kind of player that exists better when when he is the unquestioned leader versus where he's been in his past two stops? Yeah, I, I would say so. And and if you say yes to that question, people would say, well, that's not that's not healthy because you know he for a talent as smart as him and as great as he is probably the third best point guard ever in my opinion um someone like that you would you would hope that could um adjust like you would hope that if you put a James Harden or someone around him that he could fill into that smaller role and be happy and enjoy things and take a step back from always having to control what's going on on the court and that that right there guys is what is always burned me alive is that people people think that as a negative component of his game that he that he always wants to be the guy in control and you know only thing i would say to that is it does bite him in the rear end sometimes it it, we saw that with the clippers and i i don't really think we have evidence to suggest that happened in houston heck they might win the championship if he doesn't get hurt and they they just lost to a supernova steph curry in that second round last year, they they might have went on to win the title. Then I mean, we we don't know. So, I, but I do agree. When he has the ball in his hands and he's able to dictate what's going on, it doesn't always mean he's gonna he's gonna end the possession in a shot. Doesn't even mean he's gonna end the possession in assists because if we, as we've seen, as I know you all have noticed, his assist totals are way down this year, and that's just because he doesn't care to have the final. Um, the final part, the final piece of the possession, if you will, be attributed to him. He just wants to have the ball at the beginning of the shot clock to set up what's going to happen, to set up Shea in the best possible spots, to set up Dennis Schroeder getting downhill. Um, I, I was watching the Spur. I was rewatching the Spurs game earlier today. He's throwing some ridiculous just uh, roll passes to Stephen Adams. I mean, I know Russell Westbrook was throwing, you know lasers to to Adams and in, in all kinds of different directions but Chris is just getting them into spaces that I'm like how in the world is he doing that and those bounce passes um through guys around guys wrapping it around bodies so yeah I think when he has the ball and he's able to um dictate exactly what he wants it does you know that that could set up a shot for someone else I think that's when he's at his best and that could end up biting him and, and keep him from winning a championship but that that's when we see Chris Paul have one of the best offensive ratings in the NBA is whenever he is doing stuff with the ball. Yeah, I, I think I think a big a big part of this too is, you know, there's a lot less pressure than he's probably had in the past. You know, in the Lob City days, in the Houston days, he's always been expected to like bring these teams to the playoffs, bring these teams to, you know, NBA championship. Um, type type caliber teams, whereas in Oklahoma City he was brought in, you know, with hey we're going to be rebuilding. If you can just develop some of these young guys in the meantime uh, until we can find a trade suitor for you, that'd be great. And I think that you know, with with lower expectations, I think he's found it a lot more fun to play the game uh, in these low pressure situations. But my my last question for you, and we'll let you go, is you know on that topic of finding a trade suitor for Chris Paul, whether it be. You know, before the trade deadline this summer, at some point next year, you know, we've heard 
some teams or, you know, there's popular teams out there that people say, hey, Chris Paul would fit good here. What are a couple teams that you think Chris Paul would truly fit best on and, you know, have the contracts to actually make something like that work? Well, the contract situation is always going to be the biggest hurdle, and and I just don't know if there's a team out there. If you told me right now and gun to my head, where is he going to finish? I'd say Oklahoma City um, for the season. Just because, I I mean, we have a month until the trade deadline, almost exactly, right? And a team out there that that wants to forfeit 30-plus million in salary, um, and that, that includes getting off a couple players to reinvent your team right before the playoffs? I, I don't see it. Like, for example, guys, I'm, I mean, here's my question to you. Do you think the Bucks are, do you think the Bucks even make sense to do it? Because, like, they're 32 and 5 on pace for 71 wins. Um, I know Chris is a playoff expert. I know Chris is, his numbers are great in the playoffs, despite the, the jokes and all the ridicule he gets for not winning. Um, and that would help them get shot creation. But like, why would the Bucks do that? And why would the Bucks forfeit some players that clearly love being there with Giannis? Do you think they would? The Bucks are an interesting one to me because I, I think the reason the Bucks get brought up is because you see kind of what became of Eric Bledsoe in the playoffs last year, yeah. and how his offensive game really almost played him off the floor. Uh, but still, I. Again, you you mentioned it. Nick mentioned it. The whole world knows it. The the contracts to match up to make that work, just yeah. it, it feels like Milwaukee would have to give up too many pieces to 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 match salaries, and, and I just I don't see how that works. I, I know a couple teams that I would love to see him on that I just don't think it's realistic. Uh, I, I mean, could you imagine him with Philly? Um, Philly gets brought I, up a lot. He's an interesting one in Philly. Right, yeah. like I think they slide would Ben him. Simmons more to that point forward position. Let Ben essentially play the four or something. It, that that one's an interesting one. And and the reason I think that one is awesome is because Philly's just this blue collar town. And what and what's more of a blue collar player than Chris Paul? <laughs> there really yeah, is none. So definitely. I think that's I think that's awesome. Um, I, I'm out on the Miami thing. I know you all probably discussed this ad nauseum on this pod over the last few months. It's, and I just don't think that they would have anything, or I don't think Pat Riley would be willing to give up as much as Oklahoma City would want to get. If that makes sense, agree. So like, agree. Yeah, and and Pat, Pat Riley's Pat a big guys. game hunter. He wants to be in twenty twenty one free agency. Uh, yeah. I don't see him taking on a contract that runs into that summer. Now, he, Chris might be pissed off at this, but like, if you could get him in Orlando, I mean, that would be fun. It, just to see uh, a team that has needed and has needed a point guard for about a decade, <laughs> yeah, get, get someone. But uh, again, the contracts there. I mean, they have a lot of bad contracts, and I don't think Oklahoma City wants bad contracts for sure. So it, the Chris Paul conundrum is interesting. It's it's one yeah. of the more fascinating ones in the league. Um, but he's been playing great for the Thunder, so uh, I think Thunder oh, fans I? are start, starting to really enjoy him uh, as yeah. of right now. So, Shane, before we let you go, whenever this article over Chris Paul and Shea gets published, where can we find it at? Yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be up tomorrow because I just have to put some finishing stuff. Oh, beautiful. Stuff. So right it'll when this at- pod drops, you guys will be able to go read it. <laughs> yeah, it'll be up tomorrow at Forbes Sports. I'm going to uh, dig in a little bit more film. Uh, as Nick knows, Forbes, we, we go through all kinds of uh, different kinds of content. I mean, he's the 
OKC guy there, so uh, had to make sure not uh, not stepping on his toes. But uh, that, that definitely going to get some uh, more national coverage up, and and I'm going to kick it off with this Chris Paul and Shea Gildas Alexander piece, and and that should be up tomorrow uh, afternoon. Awesome. awesome. So as you guys are listening to this podcast, make sure that you go to ForbesSports.com. Check out Shane Shane Young's piece on Chris Paul and Shea Gilgis Alexander. Also, make sure you follow Shane on Twitter. He is at Young NBA. He's covering the entire league. He does an awesome job with it. It's a great Twitter follow. Shane, again, thank you so much for coming on with us, man. Thank you guys. Have a good one, man. Okay, guys. Uh you ready to go around the association? Yes. We get to play my favorite sounder of the entire podcast. Take it around town. I don't even know where you're sitting at. Like. <laughs> I love it. It's my favorite. It's a good sounder, man. Okay, guys. The first returns of the fan voting for the NBA All-Star Game. I hate Los Angeles people. Are in. And I wanted to talk about them <laughs> with you guys. People from the West Coast are garbage. Real quick. Uh, and the East Coast. Let's be real. Yeah, yeah. More so the West Coast. So, <laughs> the West Coast or the Western Conference front court. We have LeBron. Leading the way, Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Carl Anthony Towns, Kristap Porzingis, Nikola Jokic. All those make sense, yeah? Those are good C, ones. See, yes, those make very much sense. And then at eighth, we have Carmelo Anthony. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then at tenth, we have Dwight Howard. <laughs> it's amazing. Don't drop really. the soap. Don't drop the soap. So Carmelo Anthony and Dwight Howard in the top ten for the Western Conference front court. For the Western Conference guards, they're all pretty good, except number four is Steph Curry, the guy who's played like six games this entire NBA season. What are you gonna? You just gonna ignore number eight? We're getting there, buddy. Hold on. <laughs> so Steph Curry, number four, has played like six games. He is ahead like of guys like Russell Westbrook, D'Angelo Russell, Donovan Mitchell. Even Alex Caruso? Alex Caruso is number eight. That's disgusting. Oh, big this market is just effect. like these damn Laker fans in the West, they can't vote Kobe in, so they're going to put Alex Caruso's bald head in there. Hey, have you About seen seven pictures? seven spots too low. Yeah, have you seen Alex Caruso without a shirt on? That dude's jacked. They that was, photo, that that was photoshopped. They doctored, oh, they photoshopped. photoshopped. Yeah, that's when he got drug tested. <laughs> <laughs> they doctored. Literally. Hey, you know who would get drug tested in the league today? Mike Bibby. Oh yeah, God, no that indeed. dude's eating steroids for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. He is freaking <laughs> massive. I you could, know who should get tested? LeBron. You seen him in his rookie year, and now that's not normal. Yeah, he's your head does not grow three sizes. This is not the Grinch. This is not the cringe. I could be totally wrong, but I want to say like two years ago they changed the all-star voting to where fan vote was 50% and then media and then coach player was like 25 each. So, if we're being honest, the co- the player voting is also bullshit. Yeah, wow. but, but I think this is finally the year that they're going to say, okay, upping the you know weight of the fan vote was a bad idea. 
But don't doesn't yeah. the fan only account for the starters, right? I Correct. think so. Yeah, starters and Caruso at eight, just for starters. Caruso at eight doesn't matter. Curry at four doesn't matter because they're not going to be starters. As of now, it's still freaking stupid though. And it, it is still it pisses is. me off. But didn't that doesn't Yao make Ming, sense because Damian. Good. Didn't, didn't Yao Ming rake in the most votes one year when he didn't play at all? China. Yeah, dude, right. Zaza Pachulia used to run the fan vote yeah. because all of Georgia, Georgia would vote for him. I feel like that's a big reason that's why. A big reason why Luca and Giannis are the two highest vote getters. Also, I, I, I agree with no, that. They, but there's so much deserve. But they're good. Right. It correct. Is. But it is. correct. Lillard has it's been shitting the bed this year. He has not been <laughs> yeah. anything spectacular. But he hit that one shot, though, bro. If, if it decade. was me, I'd put Donovan Mitchell ahead of Dame. Yeah, I'm with you. And the fact that Taco Falls played seven minutes all year, I don't right. want to hear your tweets about his per 36-minute stats. <laughs> because it's that's, a bunch of 12-year-olds on there for Taco Fall because they think he's Taco so cool. Fall gets the Hashim to beat treatment where he's not supposed to be in, but the fans go freaking crazy when he yeah, does get right. in. Yeah, yeah it's, so, like, it's like seeing a Nick Carlson backdoor pass for uh, just an assist. The fans go crazy. So that, right. that's the other big one is Taco Fall comes in at sixth on the Eastern Conference front court ahead of Bam Adebayo, Gordon Hayward, Andre Drummond, DeMontis Sabonis. Um, that's criminal. That is criminal. So, guys, this leads me to want to ask, when is the last time you got a chance to vote for something uh, and your choice was almost as dumb as these votes for the NBA All-Star? Uh, I'll get us started off. Mine would be prom king or prom queen in high school. <laughs> Just vote for someone that totally doesn't deserve it because that's a pointless thing anyways. Why did you regret <laughs> it? I'm very anxious to find out. Well, not out. regret it. Just I casted a really stupid vote because why did it matter? Right? My other one right. is uh, when I wrote in Harambe for president 2016. <laughs> I didn't really do that. I actually voted for Canada. I was going to say, I was, some you were one of them. Preferred Harambe. <laughs> I so wish that you guys have any any times when you voted on something so dumb like this yeah like at work and you have like the stupid surveys that they really highly quote-unquote encourage you to do so you just go in and like who's one of the most influential people in the company and you just make up like a random name yeah exactly vote for yourself or just make up a completely random name Uh, I've done that fairly recently (laughs) what random names do you uh, use Taylor oh man just like you know John Smith, just I don't know. Not, not gonna say John Cena. <laughs> John, John Cena. <laughs> Something that I vote for that's really stupid is food places to eat. When I'm getting really frustrated with Amanda, who's in the other room, that's my fiance. When we can't agree on something or something really, with it starts with my my parents. When we couldn't figure out anywhere to go, it would start with normal selections, like just like something fast, like Taco Bueno or something like that. And then, like, when my, my mom was like, I'm not picky. But then, like, after you name, like, five things and they say no to all of them, then I'm like, let's go to freaking Red Lobster. My vote is Red Lobster. And then we That's a p- good one. You yeah, start throwing I'm out, like, so yeah, random stuff. That's a good or Or <laughs> things I don't even like. Like, let's go to Chicken Express because I hate Chicken Express. And, like, yeah, let's go to Chicken Express. I'm like, no, this is the worst decision. <laughs> stuff like that. Justin, what's a bad vote you've casted? Um, well, I voted for myself to be math cr- club president in high school. Nerd. Um, Were you in math club? I was in the Nerd. math club. Nerd. Oh, okay. 
Moo Alpha Theta. Nerd alert. And it would have been even better if you voted alert. yourself for math pr- math president or ma- math captain or whatever it is, but you weren't actually in the club. That would have made it even better. <laughs> well, hey, Justin, so can you what, do my taxes? The reason I did... So I'm not that good at math. That's the funny... Like, I'm a graphic designer for a living, so it's one of the stranger things that's happened in my life. Um, but... I was in the club junior year because I heard that they didn't really do anything and it looked really good on your resume. And I noticed that when election time came around, like nobody ran because nobody really cared. So when I was a senior, I showed up on election day with a uh, family size pack of double stuff Oreos. And I got up and I said, if you vote for me for uh, president of Mu Alpha Theta, then you can have a double stuff Oreo. And I won in a landslide. Nice. Rigging elections. Wait, what, bribery. What was the organization's name? Moo Alpha Theta. Is it Mew or Moo? Moo, Mew. I don't know. It has See? to be Mew. There's no way it's Moo. <laughs> it's probably Mew. This shows how good of a president I was. Hey, gosh. I'm sure you did a great job, Justin. Nick, do you have a time you ever voted for something dumb? Um, I mean... I kind of got heated about the Taco Fall thing, but I have to admit, like, I'm not a huge all-star voting guy. I do it, like, once, maybe twice a year. I'm not that person that goes in and votes five times a day. But when I do vote, I will admit, I never actually vote for the guys that deserve it. I vote for who I think would be the funniest team to watch. So it's probably people like me that there's a reason Alex Caruso I and Taco Fall are in there. so much. So... Uh, that that that's that's probably my my dumbest thing that I vote for because I I always even like this year like when I voted which my one time I I put Isaiah Thomas as the starting point guard. <laughs> that's frustrating. Like his like when I that's that's so fr- I'm I'm gonna reach to this computer screen and punch you because <laughs> you through this when screen. I'm like when I'm voting for like Big Twelve media like all, all American like you know the team one and team two. I'm trying to put so much effort into this, like even asking Nick about Tylen Wallace and stuff. And like this man's like, oh, I'm going to put five foot one Isaiah Thomas as a starter. It's like, okay. <laughs> that didn't Call me, me. R. You, you think vote, Isaiah y- Thomas you- could dunk on a seven foot goal? What? That was what? a joke. Sorry. Go ahead, Nick. Okay. Uh, no, I was just going to say, call me, are you voting for a big 12 uh, accolades, which is actually important and your vote actually matters is a lot different than me being, one vote out of twenty billion, so I don't. Even You'd want be that surprised. Comparison. People voted Sam Ellinger as first team quarterback, so that's kind of a joke. Ooh. All right, well, <laughs> let's move on from poor votes to recently. Adrian Wojnarowski uh, had a series of tweets and a story on ESPN about how the Detroit Pistons are shopping Andre Drummond. Uh, he mentioned specifically the Atlanta Hawks, but said. Uh, they've spoken to other teams as well. It seems like Detroit is finally at the spot to where they are ready to blow it up. Uh, Reggie Jackson comes off their books. They're talking about getting rid of Drummond. It'll be interesting to see uh, when slash if they start taking calls on Blake Griffin. Detroit is headed towards a rebuild. So, guys, we are going to do uh, another trade segment on the podcast this trade time. season. Yes, Hey, we're we're a month away, we're guys. Close. It, yep. It's almost here. Yeah, me and me and Jake are gonna have to take a day off work to just experience it. Yep, do it every year. So here we go with some Andre Drummond trades. Watchable. Thanks. No way. Who paid you my level 
the two magic cards for your Charizard. Deal. It's a disaster. Take trading. Disaster. Okay, guys, I have four Andre Drummond traits. I'm going to present one. You guys can talk about it. I'll present the next one. Once we get through all four, you guys choose which deal is the best for Detroit. Got it? I got it. I, I Before we got get started, it. can I say one thing? Yes. I respect Detroit very, very highly for a few years back um, making the very, very difficult decision to send Kyle Singler to the Thunder. Uh, it was a very franchise-changing move, and I, I can never thank Detroit uh, enough. enough for that move. Where is Kyle, is Kyle Singler playing in he's right Europe? Now, he? Yeah, yeah, I think he's playing somewhere. In Europe, and he's playing. He's, I think he's having a pretty good season, just yeah. like any other NBA player that's ever gone overseas. Yeah, he only yeah. played for two teams in this entire NBA. Thank you, Detroit, for your service. Yes. Remember when Antonio Daniels said that thing about Kyle Singler that we're not going to repeat on the pod? <laughs> That was good. I miss Antonio Daniels, man. All right, Drummond trades. The first trade is Andre Drummond to Atlanta for Chandler Parsons, the Nets' 2020 first-round pick, and a future second-round pick. I think that's kind of on par. I think it gets it done. Well, I think it's on par because that's actually what they offered. So, adds (laughs) up. Chandler Parsons, uh, an expiring deal. He'll be off the books. So Detroit would be saving uh, long-term money there. And that next Nets pick, Nets have been kind of reeling. They've finally got Karis LeVert back. Kyrie right. still not playing. Um, that pick might be like pick 19, 20, pick. 21, something really like that. Point. It's a mid-level yep. pick. And like, yeah. like, I think what, you have to imagine what are the Pistons most focused on, right? Are they focused on just getting Drummond off the book so they can restart a rebuild? Are they focused on maybe getting future assets um, and turning him for maybe an asset? Like it just depends on what they're looking for. Like OKC when they trade, when they're going to trade guys, they're going to look for assets they can maybe use right now or in the future that they can flip. Um, or I mean, like it's unlike Kendrick Perkins where you're just trying to get rid of him. You know, you're trying to get him off the books. So it just depends to me what the Pistons are doing, and I think that's going to coincide with what they're going to do with Blake Griffin because. That man's knees are just completely broken. So I wouldn't be surprised at all to see Blake Griffin get moved or Blake Griffin something happen with him because it just doesn't make sense moving forward. So it, what are they trying to do? Get him off the books so they can get a free agent? Nobody's going to go to Detroit. Uh, the, why would they go to Detroit with Blake Griffin to team up with us? All starts broken. I mean, we say the yeah. same thing about CP3, but the man's played the most games in his career straight for the first time in a long time. So it just depends on what... Detroit's looking for when they're trading Andre Drummond. And I think that if it's just Drummond and Parsons straight up, then that would make sense. But at the same time, if it's Drummond and Parsons for with a, that Brooklyn first rounder, which will be in the teens at least, I think that makes a lot lot more sense. And that makes a lot more sense for Trey Young too. Yeah, definitely. And John Apparently Collins Trey and uh, Do you guys know Trey and Drummond are good friends? I saw somebody tweet that out. Did, Did not that. hear that. Huh. Yep. Yeah, I don't know how, right. but they are. Trade number two is Andre Drummond to Charlotte for Bismack <laughs> Biombo, who's an expiring contract, Michael Kidd Gilchrist, who's an expiring contract, and Charlotte's 2020 first round pick, which is right there with the Brooklyn pick. Those teams are only three games apart right now. How old is Bismack Biombo? That is a good question. No, I think well, he's Serge Ibaka's dad. Okay, yeah. So. <laughs> And oh, he's old. Oh, Bismack got paid because of his year in was it in Toronto, right? When he was swatting yeah. everything, I think so. Yes. And then he was nothing like. And then 
the magic just decided to double up on Bismack and then Bismack's Surge? 27 years old. Okay, that's not right. Yep. August 28th, 1992. No, nope. that's crazy. 27 nope. and 130 days. <laughs> Have you seen that man? <laughs> it's kind of like how Serge Ibaka no, is like 31, but he's There's no like way 45. that man is one year younger than I am. There's no way. He's, look at him. I'm looking at him. So he's 27. I'm just that's telling crazy. you what the one internet's is, telling me, bro. You know, the, the, funniest, the funniest part of it all, whenever you said he got that big contract from his time in Toronto... Whenever he played in Toronto, he started 22 games and averaged a whopping 5.5 points per game. But what about the blocks, though? He averaged 1.6. Congrats. Let's give this guy he a He was really good in those playoffs, though. Was, it was the playoffs, right? Yeah, yeah. he was really good Jeez. in those playoffs. Mm. Well, that's why so what do you guys think about this? Overpaid. What do you guys think about this deal? An expiring Biombo, an exi- expiring, not an exciting, an expiring Michael Kidd Gilchrist and Charlotte's 2020 pick, which also looks to be... Um, just outside of the lottery in the teens. Again, I think it just depends on what Detroit is looking for. Once do they want return, a guy yeah. that do they want a guy that can play right now or are they looking for the future because again, Blake Griffin's not getting any younger and he's always hurt. So yeah. it just depends on what the direction of their franchise is. I think they'll get better offers than that, but I also would kind of love it deep down because it like <laughs> it's just such a Charlotte move to make, just forever mediocre. Scary Terry and Andre Drummond. And, um, oh gosh, why am I going blank? Who's the kid from Kansas that's just tearing Devontae it up Graham. Charlotte right Devontae's yeah. tearing it up. He's fun yeah. to watch. Okay. What, what pick was he, by the way? He that's was a good undrafted. Question. I don't know. Undrafted. Oh, he was undrafted. He was undrafted? Mm, yeah. That's yeah. why, because I remember like when I did the post game for Charlotte, I was like, this Graham guy, I knew he's from Kansas. I was like, I don't think he was a first rounder. So he's undrafted and actually playing really well. He's playing better than Malik Monk is. Yeah, who was a top pick, if not yeah. number one, but top five, no, wasn't he? Uh, I think he was number. I can't remember. He's but top ten. He was top ten. Yeah. Yeah. Next Drummond trade is to Toronto for Mark Gasol, which is an expiring, a 2021 first round pick and a 2020 second round pick. So oh, you're pairing man. you're pairing Andre Drummond in the front court with Pascal Siakam. I don't know how I feel about that one. And with Kyle Lowry, that might. Put Toronto. It, it just depends how he gels. I mean, it's a, it's a big gamble, but if it pays off, you might be up there competing for the top seed. And maybe. that 2021 pick, the 2021 draft is supposed to be a lot deeper yeah. than 2020. So oh, that, that, that the, makes yeah, that interesting draft. as well. I think it's True. interesting because we talked about this before the season began. Like, oh, rank the Eastern Conference and rank the Western Conference. And Toronto, they've fallen off a little bit, duh, because they don't have Kawhi, but they're still right. very competitive. They're still solid. And, they're still and they've pretty, been injured a lot. And they're pretty. They're Man, still pretty solid. Stockham can't get healthy. It's the weirdest so, thing. They're being yeah. super low key about that too. It's so it's just like it's like again, are they about to have a fire sale and say, all right, guys, like you know, this title runs over. It began and ended with Kawhi, and ship out everybody else and get maybe you know a war chest for Pascal Siakam, even though he's kind of getting up there in age. So I just I'm not sure. I mean, like I don't know if Toronto would do that just because of the state they're in. After they're basically in flux after Kawhi said, "Here's your title, bye." Toronto is kind of similar to where the Thunder are in a way. Kind of, except the yeah. Thunder haven't ever won a title. Yeah. Any other thoughts on that one, guys? All so. right, it's, good intri- talk. it's intriguing. It's intriguing. Whose was that, by the way? That was mine. I uh, yeah, also no, no, I, I think that. I picked that 2021 first round pick, but I just, I honestly just kind of picked a first rounder because they have quite a few to offer um, over the next four years. So technically, you could 
replace that 2021 with a, a different year for Trump pick, if that makes it any more intriguing. Definitely. So so our last Drummond trade is to the Portland Trailblazers for Hassan Whiteside Ooh, this is interesting and Nasir well. Little. Oh, man, that's super interesting. So Whiteside is obviously an expiring contract. Uh, he can play out the rest of this year for them and then be gone. But then you have Nasir Little, who's a young three slash four um, who who can maybe rotate in and, and be part of a future in Detroit. Right. So would you play Nurk at the four? That That's the, the interesting that's part of this one for me. Point. I don't know how CJ and Dame running off screens for days. <laughs> yeah. Nurk for and real. Dre. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Nurk can't really Twin space towers. for you, but I thought, God. I thought Nurk could shoot mid-range. I mean, yeah, a little bit. But if you have Nurk and Drummond, I mean, that that's yeah. clogging up everything below the free but throw line. But they're getting all the damn rebounds just like Ennis and Steve did. That'd be a stupid rebounding team. That'd be fun. I it's mean, that'd a, be fun that, for it's them. an interesting one. I like that one actually a lot. Um, okay, guys, of those four Drummond trades, which one do you like the most? Just to revisit those real quick, really we have good. we have Drummond to Atlanta for Chandler Parsons, the Nets' twenty twenty first and a future second. We have Drummond to Charlotte for Biombo, MKG, and Charlotte's twenty twenty first. We have Drummond to Toronto for Mark Gasol, a 2021 first-rounder and a 2022nd rounder And a Drummond to Portland for Hassan Whiteside and Nasir Little. I like the Portland one a lot. Just because I was going to say Portland I, because I, I like Nasir man, I just, quite a bit. That, that's such an intriguing lineup of, you know, who, who would they even play at the three? Who would they play at the three in Portland? You know, don't say Carmelo. I was just about to. Yeah, don't Mello. say Carmelo. And would you? Would that? Would you then just say screw trading off Bazemore and you you play Bazemore at the three? Yeah, I mean they have been playing Bazemore at the three. So, so or do you make or do you make a secondary move deadline. and move Bazemore right, and then exactly. bring in your three? We're on the same exact page. Yeah, yeah. So I, I mean I like that one a lot because it's very intriguing to the pat, to the point where like you have two massive bigs that can set a lot of screens and that, then two that can, small quick shooting guards. Yeah. Yeah, and that are like dead money shooters. Yeah, right. Yeah, I like yeah, that. I, I like that last one a lot. I also will say the Atlanta one is kind of a safe trade. I think, like it, it you're gonna have a good return. It may not be the best return, but it's gonna be a good return. So that might be the safe bet. And like the Portland one, for example, might have the most upside, like the highest ceiling, but also could have a lower floor depending on how little turns out. Yep. Yeah, I agree. Good stuff, guys. Well, we have a month, literally to the day to the trade on February sixth. So it's almost Wild. here. Um, so excited. Okay, before that's not long after the Super Bowl. Yep. Yeah. Before we log off of the pod for the night, last thing I want to talk about is Kevin Love. Um, he is <laughs> Caleb. Hey, he loves a his happy teammates. Man. He loves them. Not, he said so not on the Instagram. radio station. He said he loves his teammates. I love this radio station, Caleb. Though. Per Shams of the Athletic, uh, Caleb verbally berated the Cavs GM at shootaround on Saturday before the Thunder game. <laughs> He then got pissed, and he played half-assed throughout the game. He fired a pass at Chetty Osman after he got very angry at um, one of his point guards. I forget which one it was. It was Colin Sexton because Colin he doesn't Sexton. pass. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he got fined, uh, I guess, a couple of weeks ago for his attitude on the bench and said, quote, find me. I've got plenty of money. He does, though. Which is an awesome flex. He's not lying. <laughs> Kevin Love gets traded in the next month, right? I mean, there's no way Cle- so. Cleveland lets that stay in their locker Find room. Find a way to get that man to Houston so him, his 
his former roommate in yeah. Russ and Harden can play off each other. That would be fun. I would watch that. that. That'd be fun. No I would kidding. watch that. That, would get, that might get used in there. I mean, poor P.J. Tucker, but. Well, you just play right. P.J. at the three. No, yeah, he, he would be traded Kevin, in that. Or put Kevin up five. Oh, yeah, probably. <laughs> Yeah, You'd true. have to make the money point. work. Uh, like it's, But, man, just get him to Houston somehow. He's a better version of Ryan Anderson, a much better version of Ryan Anderson, and he would That'd make that thing work. I mean, no, de- They already play piss-poor defense because they their backcourt <laughs> just is not good at playing Doesn't defense play with defense. Russ and Harden. Choose not to and so might as well just go all offense and score 140 a game, right? Run a gun. It'd be fun. It would also, be fun. It'd be fun. It'd this be is like, That's the type of offense D'Antoni wants to play. This is like totally reminiscent, but not quite as extreme as Jimmy Butler last year in Minnesota. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like it, it the is. next it's step true. to all of this is Kevin Love going and, and grabbing the third stringers at practice <laughs> next week and saying, "I got, but I yes. want the first team." One hundred percent, Kevin Love gets traded. Maybe even, uh, yeah, right at the deadline. Yeah, like, as like, soon as it opens. Even if they don't get a good return, I just think they have to move off of him just to save the culture of that locker room. But at the yeah. same time, like, and I, I mentioned this in the post game. He's the one that signed that max extension. Yeah. Well, yeah, true. It, but, He's getting that but money. You gotta, yeah. yeah. He it, couldn't get that that size line. of an extension from any other team. So right. was no. it was yep. it? Hey, I'm gonna get paid, and then like the, his agent was like, yeah, just like we're gonna get you traded eventually as well and get you out of this. I think that home. might be the thing. I think take, that's probably oh, take the money while the money's sure. here. It's like call me R. If you were if you were it's unhappy at work, situation. call me R. If you're unhappy at work and they say, hey. You're unhappy, but we'll give you a hundred million dollars and get you a new job in a year or two. You'd say hell <laughs> yeah, that. yeah. That's what I'm saying. And because the players, although they sign a contract, they can get out of their contracts. They can go to another team so easily these days. See, it's yeah. Paul George. It's that player movement era. Yeah. Yep. yeah. So guys, I want to end the podcast by asking you, when is it okay for you to go off the deep end and <laughs> verbally assault your boss? Verbally assault? Yes. Uh, I, not so, just assault? Like horrible <laughs> losses? Well, he hasn't assaulted anybody yet. Emotionally. Mine is uh, whenever your boss cuts the holiday bonus without telling anyone, you've already put the deposit down on the pool. Oh, that's a good one. That's, that's uh, from Christmas from Vacation. From Christmas Vacation, but yeah. The, the Jelly of the Month Club. Yeah, he, <laughs> they the give you the Jelly of the Month giving. Club. Uh, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you a story that actually recently just happened. <laughs> I'm ready for this. Hopefully autobiographical. Uh, fired, yeah. <laughs> and I'm not fired. <laughs> so I was in a faculty meeting, right? And, of course, I'm uh, not an established presence in the room. And um, this, I'm just going to say somebody said, they asked me, hey, what do you think about this situation? And, or what do you think about this concept? And um, I had nothing to add. I was just like, I, since I have anxiety, my my uh, my knees like tap up and down a lot. <laughs> oh, I do that uh, too. So like I, I toe tap a lot. And so, but they took that as I have lots of ideas. Apparently, is what that person said. And I was like, oh, I have nothing to add. And then they said, oh well, we brought you here because you, we thought you had good ideas. And like oh. in front of everybody, in front of oh. all my colleagues in the department. Oh. And I was like okay and then i i stewed and i sat on it the entire day and i was like nah nah and i went and found this person and i, I was like on a mission i was on a war path to find this person i was like we are going to talk and we will say things <laughs> and then I, I found out this person left and then i was like nope 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 and i found their i got their cell phone number and we talked about it oh and, there you go not a boy and uh it was a pleasant experience, but it couldn't. It might not have been, but uh, yeah, that was an interesting 
conversation. Justin, <laughs> when would it be okay for you to verbally attack your boss? Oh, I often verbally attack my boss in the middle of ping pong games. Um, I'm at work. That is undisputed. Awesome. Oh yeah. What uh, the hell? Undisputed. We, hey, we also have a Papa Shop machine. Um, so and lots of lots of beer in the fridge. So why is Justin <laughs> flexing on us right yeah. now? Yeah, I don't. I'm just I, saying. I, I used to, I used to verbally out. attack my boss in my imagination on my drive home from work. <laughs> uh, I'm the undisputed uh, two-time reigning agency ping pong champion, and there's a lot Humble of trash brag. that gets talked <laughs> along with that. And also That's the awesome. former math president that doesn't know math. I'm very well-rounded, Kamiar. <laughs> Nick, when would it be okay for you to verbally berate your boss? Either your normal I, boss or your Forbes boss. I think neither, honestly. <laughs> um, I'm also a very level-headed person. It's really, 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 really hard to piss me off. Like, you really have to try. Uh, I don't see a situation in which I would feel comfortable and or be mad enough to do something like that, to be honest. That's a, that's a cop-out answer, but that's how I feel. What if your boss? Like a, what if you go into the office tomorrow and your boss says, Nick, you're fired, and I just got done banging your girlfriend? Then I would probably get a lot of money from suing them or something. I don't know. You can't sue Sony because they bang your girlfriend. If they're firing me for the women are property, I don't know. Nick. This is 2020. It's the 21st Jeez. century. It's the 21st century, buddy. This hypothetical was a very boss before. Uh, no, but I, I have a good example here. Taylor, uh, I took this a different way. I didn't go from personal okay. experience, but I went um, recency bias here after a recent event that was kind of tragic but i was reading all these articles right there's so many articles about this event and made me think of it uh reflecting back on this person's life when you're david stern working for all the owners he uh verbally berated a, a whole lot of his bosses and got away with it and got them to respect it so david stern may he rest in peace i wish i could verbally verbally berate my boss and he would respect me yeah that'd be nice he'd probably just beat my ass though yeah <laughs> i knew that guy he would <laughs> he's a good dude i like him Tom was like can't confirm his forearms awesome. are huge about more like six arms really yeah <laughs> <laughs> that was cheesy but really good all right well hey thank you guys so much for checking out the podcast uh we hope you had a great new year and it's our first group podcast since 2020 so hope your New Year's was great. Hope everyone uh, had a safe holiday. Back to the grind. The Thunder in Philadelphia, Monday night. We will have a post-game pod. Who's, who's on that post-game? Your boy, Taylor. Uh-oh, you guys got Taylor for this post-game podcast with Taylor tomorrow. Get ready for Philly. misspelled things. Joel and bye. So, hey, if you're a continuous listener to our podcast, thank you so much. If this is your first time checking us out, uh, hope we didn't scare you off. Hope you enjoyed it. Make sure you click that follow button, that subscribe button. Drop a five-star review while you're at it. You can find us Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. You can also find us on bluewirepods.com. Have a great Monday. Make sure you go check out Shane Young's Forbes piece on Chris Paul and Shea Gilgis-Alexander. And quick turnaround for us. We'll be back with you guys. Taylor will tomorrow night. I guess tonight if you're listening on Monday or yesterday if you're listening on Tuesday. Um, Six o'clock tip-off Central Time. There we go. Have a great Monday. And as always, thunder up. Bye. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? 
Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.